Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. If the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the words pina colada is the 1979 Rupert Holmes classic, then A, good on you. And B, this week's episode will not disappoint. Much like the song in which this cocktail stars, the pina colada has a lot going for it. As long as you're willing to forget the cloying, okay boomer iterations and versions that are either overly boozy or watered down by too much ice and bad technique. No listener. This is instead a drink that allows us to devise our own rum blends, to pull out the veggie juicer for more than the one green goddess you make each year, and to lap up the impossible delights of Coco Lopez. Leading us on today's exploration is Ivy Mix, owner of Brooklyn's Leyenda, author of Spirits of Latin America, and co-founder of the Speed Rack competition. Beyond her wealth of experience in the tropical drinks realm, Ivy literally just updated the specs for this cocktail at her bar. So it's a timely appearance. Blackstrap yourself in for a rum-spiked, piña coco-soaked ride, listener, and pull out your fanciest, most elaborate garnish. Because this is the Cocktail College podcast, and today we're talking piña coladas. Ivy Mix taking class today at Cocktail College. Ivy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I am personally very excited for today's episode because the Pina Colada, what a wonderful drink, what a refreshing, iconic cocktail. Before we do jump into that, though, before we do a deep dive, do you mind if we do a shallow dive on the Pina Colada song? Because that, for me, was one of the songs of the pandemic. (laughs) The Pina Colada song. It was one, yeah, I, I had it on repeat through most of the pandemic. <laughs> That's so odd. I was listening to like, I don't know, like sad country. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, like the, the actual title of the song, right? The, the 1979, I believe it's Rupert Holmes classic is Escape. So maybe that's what I was looking for, right? Fine. Yep. But. I'd just like to, I, so I think it's an iconic song. I'd like to bring up a few issues I have with the concept of the song, though, right? So yeah. quick reminder here for anyone who's not familiar, I, the two listeners out there that are not familiar with this song. This is a couple who their relationship has gone slightly stale. One of them takes out a personal ad seeking other people. The other person responds with their own ad. Long story short, they end up at a bar and they end up meeting each other again, right? Okay, interesting story. But the premise of the whole thing is based on the love of pina coladas. Like, how is this not something they knew about each other? Yeah, right? Like, how does that go? Well, and also, it's a horrible, like, want or ad, like a singles ad, because, like, who doesn't like pina coladas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you have half a brain as well, like really setting the bar high here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, well, singing in the rain, like, 
All right, that's a weird one. Champagne. You know? I feel like a lot of people like champagne. Yeah, it's pretty like you definitely are casting a wide, wide net. <laughs> Anyone will do. Um, yeah. Fun fact about this song: apparently, like the original lyric wasn't Pina Colada; it was Humphrey Bogart or something, and he changed oh. it five minutes before he recorded the song. So you like Humphrey? Like what? No, that's no. <laughs> so. <laughs> He made the right choice, I think. <laughs> I think he did. It would have robbed the world of one of the best <laughs> cocktail songs out there. So there we go. Anyway, we've gotten that out of the way. So let's dive into the drink. Let's let's get to the serious stuff now. Pina Colada cocktail. Can you start by telling us some of the backstory of this cocktail and how it came about? Is this, is this one that we know the tale of? Or is it one of those ones that kind of comes about somewhat organically over time? I mean, like all cocktail history, uh, it's all a bit blurry, surprise, surprise, because people were drinking. Mm-hmm. But it, it is actually this one, as far as far the research that I've done, is pretty secure in its history. I mean, I think that almost everyone knows that this is a Puerto Rican cocktail. It's like it's the cocktail, Puerto Rico. Um, and it was made actually originally in the 1950s, 1954. And the I was doing some research before this because like I know it's from Puerto Rico. I know it's from kind of like it's like kind of like the baby boomer cocktail, like it was born around that time. Yeah. When I was researching it, I was like, okay, yep, I was right, Puerto Rico. Uh, yep, it was made in 1954. It's a baby boomer drink. Um, but what I didn't know was the name of the man who made it, Ramon Monchicho Marrero. And Marrero is the last name of my business partner in Speed Rack, Lynette Marrero. So she could very, and she's Puerto Rican. I know, friend of the show. Right? So she could very well be, you know, in the air line. Right, Nicolata, which is, I'm not sure if she knows this, but but if she's listening, I'll send her an email and be like, guess what? That blew my (laughs) mind when I saw it as well. And I was like, oh my God, this is wonderful. (laughs) So we need to definitely check with Lynette about that. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is a drink. This drink comprises rum, um, some kind of coconut cream, pineapple, Mm -hmm. lime, maybe some other stuff. First of all... Traditionally speaking, it doesn't have any citrus in it. Traditionally speaking... It's just pineapple, coconut cream, ice, and rum. Um, wow. Which is, you know, that's the thing. Coconut cream is like a heart, heart attack in a can. At Leyenda, <laughs> we actually use Coco Lopez tins as our for, as our um, furniture, as our cutlery tins. Oh, um, nice. People, like, pick up the Coco Lopez, Lopez cans and read the back and the nutritional information. Their eyes blow out of their head. They're like, oh, my God. You're not putting this in anything, right? <laughs> so yeah we put it in stuff um but but yeah i personally think that pina coladas should have some sort of citrus in them yeah and talk yeah. about that you know that previous or the original iteration like that is very much a kind of boomer profile as well right like just sweet in your face probably yeah. quite boozy as well the original iteration Mm-hmm. Yeah, and quite boozy. It has so much sweetness and fat in it from the coconut that all that booze is kind of hidden, right? Right. And if you're making it the original way, and you have these beautiful fresh pineapples from Puerto Rico, then the juice is just delicious. Like that carries a lot of acidity with it as well. So to be fair, it's not like you're using, you know, concentrated Dole or something like this. Like it's actually fresh juice. Yeah, it makes a difference. For sure. Amazing, and obviously, so the the the, the 
whole idea of this show is talking about, you know, how we can elevate drinks, how we can take them to the next level, and also incorporating maybe more modern techniques. So, so we'll get into that in, in a second. But yeah, what are you looking for from a modern day pina colada? If you either if you order it, you're making it for yourself or someone hands you one, what do you expect from that drink? Yeah, I mean, traditionally, I think pina colada should be blended. Um, I think that that's what makes kind of like that silky mouthfeel when you blend coconut um, cream, which has all the fat and the sugar in a drink, it really gives this like ice cream, like kind of thick, rich texture. That's not like a granada, like some frozen drinks. It's really smooth and creamy. It's delicious. Um, I, you know, traditionally it's made with like a Spanish style rum, a la Bacardi, a la, you know, Don Q. Those are two Puerto Rican brands. Um, yeah, you could definitely throw some Havana club in there if you can get your hands on a bottle. Um, <laughs> But now you see people doing all sorts of their own types of rum blends in a pina colada. Um, I actually like making my pina coladas with cachaça. Um, I think that it makes it a lot more interesting because you have fresh sugarcane juice. It's a little bit more grassy. It adds a little bit to the drink. It kind of gives something for the coconut to kind of butt, butt up against rather than just being like a really coconut drink. Um, but, yeah, right now if I get a pina colada, I expect – you know, nice coconut flavor, which honestly it's called a pina colada, mm-hmm. like emphasis on the pineapple. But to me, this is really a coconut drink. Yep. You know? So, um, but I do want to have pineapple in there. Um, and I like to have some citrus personally, yeah. um, all the better if you have like a really powerful blender and you can actually put in like a whole lime and get that lime, uh, pith and the bitterness in there. It makes for a really interesting drink. Amazing. And and when's the perfect occasion to be drinking a pina colada? I mean, I think the obvious answer is at a beach. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Go to a beach, drink a pina colada. Um, but now you can do variations on pina coladas. And you, I think that they're, I mean, there's no bad time for pina colada. That's why that song is kind of ridiculous because like, who doesn't like pina coladas? <laughs> you know, and um and when's a bad time? Like, there is no bad time. I guess the only bad time I could think of is if you're, like, freezing outside without a coat and gloves. That might be a bad time to drink a pina colada. But yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a great drink. And I love all those little details that you mentioned there before about how we can maybe in, in a more modern way add complexity, add more layers to this while still kind of staying true to the soul of the drink. Mm-hmm. Um, let's dive into the ingredients though. Let's, and let's start with our spirits. So you have a preference for cachaça, but if you were going to do it in maybe a kind of a more modern classic way with rum, would you just go for one rum or would you go for your own blend there? Um, I guess if I were really doing it like my, like if I were like really going to ball out and do it my way, um, I would probably do a blend of rums and try to get some Spanish style rum in there. Um, clear rums, mm-hmm. um, I'd probably try to get uh, maybe a gold rum, but really I think clear would be, would be best. Um, some sort of either a lighter English style, um, or a Spanish style. So like I said, Bacardi, Don Q, um, Don Q actually helped us at Speed Rack reach our million dollar mark for total funds raised for breast cancer um, when Lynette and I won the uh, best mentorship award. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. But we got up, we're like, we're almost at a million dollars raised. And then Lynette got a text message like, done. We're going to do it. So if you're going to make a pina colada, A, it is the rum of Puerto Rico, um, Don Q. And 
they hate breast cancer and they actually put their money where their mouth is. So definitely Don Q in there. Um, and then I, again, I like the fresh sugar cane juice aspect. So I'd either put some cachaça in um, or just some agricole rum. Um, so, you know, anything from Martinique. I'm a big fan of like Clement Blue or Run JM Blanc, again, mm-hmm. doing a light rum. Um, Quick question here about blending rums. Um, this is something, of course, that we see within other styles of tropical drinks. And I'm sure it does happen with maybe other categories of spirits, but I've often noticed it more in rum. Is there a reason for that? Is it just because rum is such an incredibly broad spectrum? Or does that speak to maybe tropical style drinks that can be a little bit extra, let's be honest, when it comes to like ingredients and and yeah, profile and build and that kind of thing? Well, I mean, a lot of spirits are just blends, right? Right. Um, Right. So, so that's one bit. And like, and rum, uh, has no rules really. So like, even like it, when you say, when you see a rum, it's like 12 years old, like depending where you are in the world, that could mean the youngest rum in that bottle is 12 years old. The average age is 12 years old. The oldest rum is 12 years old, you know, cause everyone's- there's a Solera system going on maybe in the numbers on the bottle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like a bit of, it's kind of a bit of a, of a mess. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when also depending on how you make your rum, you get so many different flavor varietals, right? So it really lends itself to blending because it all is made from the same ingredient, sugar, right? Which is the most obvious thing to make booze out of, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, actual, the actual thing that you need to make booze. Um, and you get these really crazy flavor nuances and, and balances. So you know, like look at like a rum old fashioned, like if you're making a rum old fashioned with just one type of rum, you're doing something wrong, right? Like right. Just mix it up, experiment, like see what other kinds are out there. Like there's ones that add a lot of caramel. There's one, there's a thumbs that are like really dark, dark and molassesy. There's ones that are, you know, really dry and light. There's column still, there's pot still, there's long fermentation. And you can take um, all of these different styles and make a new spirit with it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think rum, not just blending with, its, with itself, like rum goes very well with blending with other spirits as well. Amazing. Thank you for that. And then what about, tell us about pineapple juice then, because if ideally, is the ideal scenario using fresh pineapple for this? And like, how are you juicing that? What's the, or, and what's the reality as well when it comes to running a bar these days with that? Well, at a bar, yeah, I have an industrial juicer. Um, you know, we have two types of juicers. You have the citrus juicer that has like the cone and you put the half a citrus on top and it kind of spins it out. Then you have a juice extractor, which you do, would do pineapple with, which is essentially like a rotating blade and a shoot and you put the fruit or the vegetables in. It's like if you go to a juice bar, the type right. of thing that they, that they do there, right? And then all the pulp goes out one end and all the juice goes out in the other. Um, we do that, Leanda. Sometimes I find it to be like an exercise in humility, though, because sometimes the pineapples are just like, don't, they're not ripe. They're just like kind of soft. Yes. You know, and the flavor is like, oh, this is fine. I wouldn't call it excellent. <laughs> so if you can get your hands on a ripe pi- pineapple, you can tell because you pick it up and it just reeks of pineapple and it smells really really good it's very very juicy it's a little it's not firm to the touch um you can take the another way to tell is um when the leaves of the pineapple pull out very easily 
that's a good way to tell it. It's ready to be eaten. Yeah. So if you can find it, and if you have a juice extractor handy, go for it. Juice extractors are a real pain in the ass to clean. So if you don't want to deal with it, I don't blame you. <laughs> um, go get some Dole. Go get yeah. some canned pineapple juice. That will be that's. It's totally okay. Um, lots of bars will mix Dole and fresh. Okay. Um, uh, to because Dole is just consistent is consistent. You always have the same flavor, right? It's like, you know, it's no, there's no variance there. You know what you're going to get. Um, so you want to add a bit of character by adding maybe some fresh or just changing that up. So, cause you know, I feel like Dole is one of those things. It's an ingredient where like, as soon as you taste it, you, you almost know straight away. Like it just has that, you, like you said, that kind of consistency. Yeah. It's very consistent. Um, but you know, you don't get as much frothiness with it. It's certainly not as acidic as fresh pineapple juice. Um, so, I would say if you can, go juice yourself some pineapple, especially if it's ripe, you'll taste the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not, that's what you do. Yeah. And I bet there's probably a ton of people out there with juicers that they maybe bought in January and have since stopped using them. Definitely not speaking from personal experience there at all. <laughs> um, so bring it back out. Bring out the juicer for the, the, the pineapple. Um, and then Coco Lopez. Does it have to be C or C, as they say in, in Spanish, C or C? Or, you know, what's the, what is Coconut Lopez essentially? Um, and how does it differ from, say, I'm walking down the aisle, I see coconut milk or other coconut products there? Right. So it's a cream of coconut. So, okay, I love Coco Lopez. Um, it is not health food. It is not only extremely high in all sorts of fats, both good and bad, mm-hmm. but there's also just a bunch of preservatives in there. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's pretty intense. If I had the time and the energy to make my own coconut cream, that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's not easy, <laughs> you know, but what might that process look like? Um, you take coconut, uh, sugar, there's maceration involved, um, there's coconut oil involved. Uh, it, it takes, honestly, I haven't done it in quite some time. So um, my business partner, Christine, uh, who's my business partner at Landa, her husband, KJ, who works at Long Island Bar, he has a delicious homemade coconut cream recipe. Um, and he was like, you should use it at Lyanda. I'm like, we go through way too much coconut. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and again, consistency and getting the coconut, like, it, can, yeah. it can just be tricky. Um, I do think, though, is that at Lyanda, we don't use um, straight Coco Lopez. So we do what we call Coco Biz. I think that straight Coco Lopez is uh, just way too sweet, way too syrupy. Um, and you don't really get that milky quality that I really like from coconut drinks. Um, so we do equal parts Coco Lopez to full fat coconut coconut milk, um, and we blend them together. And you just a it's a lot easier to use. It's not as thick. Um, yeah. It's not as like syrupy, and you really get a lot more of that milkiness, which sometimes coconut cream is lacking. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of coconut cream out there. Honestly, like, you, you know, plastic bottles and cans and this and that, you can make your own. Um, you'll probably have the best luck making your own. It's, uh, it's, t- it's time, it's, it's very time. Time, time consuming. Labor. Yeah. I love the <laughs> yeah. fact as well that you said it's not a health food because that brings us back to our song. And I do believe that Rupert Holmes' ad that he put out in response said he's not much into health food. So maybe this is starting to come back. You know, maybe the the, exactly. the plot holes are not as thick as I thought they were. Um, exactly. <laughs> so then after that, we have 
fresh lime juice, fresh is best. Any thoughts there? I actually use lemon. Lemon, okay. Mm-hmm. Is is that is yeah. is lime the standard, or did I, or did I just completely mix that up there? Or people use people use all sorts. Um, honestly, I mean, again, traditionally, no lime or mm-hmm. no cit- no like no none of your you know lime and lime citrus. Traditionally, you wouldn't have any of that. Um, lime in many ways makes more sense, just geographically speaking, uh, of where it is in the world. Um, but I actually had my mind changed when we were working on our classic cocktail specs um, at Leyenda, and I was like, you know, quarter ounce of lime. And my head bartender, Leanne, was like, half an ounce of lemon. And I was like, <gasps> what? And then we taste it side by side, and it just works. It, limes are a bit... Um, bitter and sh- and sharper whereas lemons are a little bit lighter okay uh, and rounder and it just works better with the coconut i can like, see why that yeah would kind of mix in better with the rest of those ingredients maybe it doesn't stand out as much or it, yeah yeah it, just, it does what's supposed to do and it adds it becomes more of a bridge and a lightener especially with the pineapple it doesn't overpower the pineapple with its own acidity um it's, it's a nice it's a nice change yeah Interesting. I, I don't believe I've ever consciously, certainly not consciously made one with lemon uh, or maybe yeah. tried one. So I definitely need to to go down that route. Um, talk us through then the the build and preparation of this drink. You mentioned before that ideally this would be something that's, that's blended for you rather than maybe um, shaken. Can you talk us through the two preparations, including the, the spec that you might use? Yeah, for sure. So um, at Leyenda... We actually do our pina colada, generally speaking, um, over cobbled ice, that kind of like pellet ice. Reason being, I am really anti having blenders on the bar. I think they're loud. I think they're annoying. Um, I think if you can have a frozen drink machine, which we do, but we don't usually put classic cocktails into the frozen drink machine unless it's Cinco de Mayo and we're just crushing margaritas. But... but yeah, usually that's like a, a more proprietary cocktail. So because I don't like blenders at the bar, we tend to put ours over cobbled ice. It can look really nice. Um, so uh, the other option is to blend it. If you are blending, and everyone should know this, if you are drinking a blended drink or a drink that is in a frozen drink machine, it has so much more sugar than a normal cocktail. Interesting. All of the all of the fla- all the drink is so cold that you kind of numb out your palate and all of a sudden you can't like taste as much as you could before. So in order to make the drinks more successful, you have to really pump up the sugar. Okay. Um, So, you know, you could not, but you'd probably be like, Oh, this isn't as good as I remember it being. Or, or or why is this kind of taste a little bit muted? Yeah. The reason being is because everything's blended together and like the, your flavors are like, so your palate can't really be open to it. Got it. So at Leyenda, we do um, two ounces of white rum for our pina colada. And in the white rum, we have our own blend. So we do one ounce of Novo Fogo uh, Cachaca, uh, the silver. They're great friends, super awesome. Really a lot of sugarcane flavor. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Then we do um, three quarters of an ounce of um, Don Q silver rum. And then we do a quarter ounce of um, 
Eldorado 3. So kind of like people are like, oh, a quarter of Eldorado 3. It's like, I know it's kind of ridiculous, but it just kind of adds it through uh, the whole the whole path and how the thing tastes. And you are covering this thing up with a bunch of coconut and pineapple, which is people are like, why is so much effort going into <laughs> coconut and pineapple? But it's delicious. When in doubt, though, two ounces of rum is fine. Any of those are great. Eldorado wouldn't be the traditional one I would use necessarily because it's from Guyana. Don Q would be a traditional one. Bacardi yeah. would be a traditional one. I'm a big fan of doing cachaça. So if you do two ounces of cachaça in this, it's going to be great. Amazing. Then we do one ounce of what we call cocoa biz. Again, that's equal parts cocoa Lopez and co- full fat coconut milk. You, if you just take a can you know, measure them out a cup of each, blend them together, and then put it in a quart container. It will stay for quite some time refrigerated. Nice. Then we do three quarters of an ounce of pineapple juice. Fresh is best. A uh, uh, half ounce of lemon, and then just a splash of simple. Um, and if you're if you're blending this, you put about between a quarter and half an ounce of simple. If you're just going to shake it up depending on how sweet the pineapple is you can either just do a teaspoon or just emit it completely and then you want to put one ice cube in and you shake it for a long time and you're Mm -hmm. pretty much just aerating it with that ice cube getting lots of air in there and you're going to pour it over cobbled ice and then my trick is that i really like to do a float of dark rum on top and i like to use jamaican rum so um you know anything dark and rich and old I personally love Karuba for something like this, but honestly, you could use a Gosling's, you could use like um, like a Cruise on Blackstrap, something rich and unctuous. Wow. Um, and then you do some nutmeg and some pineapple fronds. I don't understand it when people do mint on a pina colada. I don't get it. But if you want to do mint, go do mint. I like some nutmeg. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like a, and a beautiful pineapple wedge and like, and, and the and the um and the pineapple fronds. And this is this is a fun drink, right? This is one where we should have that license to go a little bit extra as well with the yeah, yeah with the garnish. Um and then would this I know this has been something of a hot topic in recent years in the bar industry, but would this be a drink that would be with straw or without um cuz it's interesting with the float there. Yeah, I mean, okay. The I would say use a straw. Mm-hmm. Um Metal straws are tough in frozen drinks because you're, you're right. now super, super cold. Um, but there are tons of reusable, you know, wood or you know, recyclable comp- compostable straws that are mm-hmm. out there and easy to use. Frozen drinks and drinks with crushed ice are they're pretty tricky, in my personal opinion, to drink without a straw. Yeah, possible, but but tough. <laughs> And I love that idea as well of also just enjoying this drink that you've built in a very complex way or with complex ingredients, but also having the aromatics of that rum float on top too. Just like the the dual sensory experience sounds wonderful. Yeah, it's super delicious. I'm going to have one today, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely, definitely fast approaching the point where I'm like, I need a pina colada imminently. Um, Do you have any other kind of thoughts about this this drink, this cocktail, um, or or any riffs? I've definitely seen one, another friend of the show, Eric Castro. I believe he's done this with Chartreuse in the past, and that's a wonderful drink. Yeah, th- I mean, this is the wonderful thing, like the song and like everything else. It's uh, they're super delicious, and make it with one type of rum, make it with you know a whiskey. You can really change up 
what goes into this drink. I'm a big fan of making this drink um, with actually other types of vegetable juice. Um, coconut and pineapple go very well with like root vegetables. So carrots or sweet potato. We do every year a Christmas pop-up at, uh, or a, it's a holiday pop-up, I should say, mm-hmm. at Leyenda called Slayenda. And this year I made a drink that we called the Kwanzaa Colada, <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of focusing in on the holiday of Kwanzaa that people don't really understand or know anything about but it's a holiday that has a lot of like harvest root vegetables and stuff like this so we did a sweet potato um a sweet potato coconut cream that was really delicious and i've done pumpkin pina coladas (sighs) and like you know so flavors like that really because think about pies and stuff that you're making like it's it it makes sense you know it lends itself to sweetness um so definitely experiment with that it's it's unusual and fun um, I've made a papaya pina colada. That, that was sounds very amazing. Fun. I'm I'm all for this. The pina colada, not because not just being a drink, but becoming the next family of drinks. This being this template yeah. for, because the the opportunities for exploration sound to be kind of limitless. Yeah, and like I like one of the first times I experimented with a pina colada on the opening menu at Leyenda, and it's also um, a cocktail I feature in my book. Um, it's called the Maiden Name, and. It's, again, it's with cachaça, and we had it in our frozen machine, but it's cachaça, pineapple, passion fruit, uh, coconut, obviously, a bit of lime, and um, passion fruit, vanilla, and cinnamon. And the passion fruit, vanilla, and cinnamon are kind of like no-brainers in a way, but it's just it's just like a slightly more elevated version of a pina colada, and it's so good. Yeah. Possibilities like that are endless. And I love as well when when we're making drinks like this or drinking these, that it allows us to bring in different baking spices in a way that's almost like not, doesn't stand out too much or like, I want a better word here, but not offensive. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes they can be, (laughs) they can be a bit much, but it works with rum in this style of drink. Right. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Um, that's so good. I'm, yeah, definitely ready for, for my pina colada today. But before we do that, um, we're about to enter the segment where we get to know our bartender a little bit more and our guest through our five recurring questions. How do you feel? Are we ready? I'm ready. Ready. Fantastic. Um, question number one, what do you think of the 1979? No, sorry, different. Um, question number one. What style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bars? Uh, well, I mean, at Leyenda, we specialize in Latin spirits. And um, my background has always been in mezcal, which has such an ample, uh, neat spirit drinking capability. So we have a lot, a lot, a lot of agave-based uh, distillates back there. Wonderful. And is that something as well, like our our folks typically, when they're ordering those, exploring those, is there that understanding there that this is something that maybe you want to approach neat or are people like, I want you to make a cocktail with this mezcal? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll do it. Um, and it is fun to make cocktails with these really unusual mezcals. I mean, it's 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 fun mm-hmm. um, because it's so flavorful. I think that cocktails are kind of a gateway into drinking spirits neat anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's always kind of been my goal. You know, but you know, I would, I would people like, how do you recommend it? Neat. Drink it neat. Yeah. Um, please Spend don't put an ice cube it. in it. Ice cube literally just, like I said, it just dulls your palate. So you're robbing yourself of the very thing you're buying yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if you want that dilution, go for a couple drops of water. Like, just That's like, sure. you Scott. Yeah. amazing. 
Question number two. What or which ingredient or tool do you think is the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal? A good peeler. Yeah. What's your yeah. preference on peeler? Um, you know, I actually everyone does all sorts of stuff. I have myself, knock on wood, never taken off any of my fingertips mm-hmm. with a peeler, but I have had many a staff member use workman's comp to go to the emergency room to go get their fingers sewed back together. They are dangerous, especially when you're working in high-volume environments. Um, you can get all sorts of fancy, sexy silver ones that have, like, special blades you put in. Mm-hmm. I think they're terrifying. I get ones that cost $1.50 on the Bowery. I have no idea what brand brand name they are. They're just, like... Are they, like, the, the, the single kind of stick one with the plastic handle and the vertical? Yep. Right. Um, yeah, it's the one with the... I like the ones the most that are, like... It's a... Imagine, like... A U with a stick on it and the blade goes across. The blade across. goes across. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I have this peeler at home. Sorry, quick sidebar here. But it's it's the, the other type that I was describing. And it is terrible for peeling everything apart from lemon twists for my martini. And it just comes out amazing every time. And I'm like, this is the best peeler I've ever come across. <laughs> like, Some of them are great for citrus. But like, you know, yeah. someone the other day, I was teaching a cocktail class online and someone had a potato peeler (laughs) (laughs) not that (laughs) i think that might be what mine is i'm not sure but um given that we're going down this rabbit hole one final question i saw some videos during the rounds online at the end of last year i believe it might have been jeffrey morgenthaler but i might be wrong there so apologies the cheese peeler did you see this hack yeah i think that was jeffrey yeah um (laughs) Well, it makes a lot of sense. It is a flat peeler. I bet you it does. I have yet to experiment with that myself. Um, I also have no experience sharpening a cheese peeler. I don't know how that's done. (laughs) So I don't know how that's done, but um, I bet you it makes a wide swath, a very wide twist, which is good. um, So you don't get those little like wimpy kind of like pinky. You get a lot of pith with it, but it does sort of negate that risk of, you know, employees right. having to go to the emergency room so maybe that's what you start out with you know <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> anyway at the risk of this becoming the peeler episode question number three here what's the most important piece of advice that you've received in this industry um probably just to not care so much just you know in the end of the day we're bartenders. We all got into this to have a little bit of freedom and flexibility in our lives to, you know, have a bit of fun to be able to take time off when we want to and travel where we want to and like kind of live our own lives, not to the, you know, beat of the capitalistic drum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, I've, I've had moments in my career where I was just like nose down to the grindstone working my ass off all work, no play makes people suck so mm-hmm. you know this industry we're lucky that we get to do things like work in, in these environments that are fun so i think like mm-hmm. you know it's not it doesn't have to be so serious we're just making cocktails literally machines can do it so <laughs> it's not it's not that hard <laughs> take care of yourselves guys um question number four if you could only visit one last bar in your life which one would it be Pare de Sufrir in Guadalajara, Mexico. It's the best bar on planet Earth. It's the best. 
it's all agave distillates and they play cumbia with fantastic djs and there's a disco ball in the middle of the room that you it isn't motorized you have to push it with a stick so <laughs> you know, have to like and all bartenders are so skilled at like getting this really long stick and kind of spinning it around in a circle with a stick and then it starts to go again and everyone starts clapping and <laughs> kind of like dancing to cumbia it's the best place ever that sounds amazing <laughs> final question for you today if you knew that the next cocktail you drank was going to be your last what would you order or make oh god the last one I would ever drink. I mean, the one that's a good question. Usually people are like, what do you always drink? Like, what's your favorite cocktail? And I always order a Negroni because I love them and they're really hard to mess up. Um, But if it were the last cocktail I would have ever had to drink, I would have a pina colada. Yeah? Yeah, I think I would have a pina colada. You certainly, I'm not saying that this is the final moment of your life, but if it were, you'd be going out pretty happy. But, but like double the amount of booze. I frequently think the pina coladas don't have enough alcohol in them. So like three or four ounces of booze in that, please. <laughs> I think I would be, you know, a little sweet, a little sour, a little, you know, comforting and fatty. Mm-hmm. And like I could be on my merry way, you know? <laughs> Amazing. Wonderful. Well, Ivy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a ton of fun talking Humphrey Bogart's um, <laughs> pina coladas it's thank you yeah thank you it's been a blast I'm uh we'll talk about pina coladas any day of the week <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much okay that was a lot of info but here's the good news every single episode of Vinepair's Cocktail College is also published on vinepair.com as a transcript so you can check it out there all over again also if you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it Go ahead and hit subscribe and please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded and produced in New York City by myself and Keith Beavers, Vinepair's tastings director and all-round podcast guru. Of course, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the Vinepair team. Too many awesome people to mention. They know who they are. But I want to give some credit here to Danielle Greenberg, art director at Vinepair, for designing the awesome show logo. And listen to that music. That's a Darby Seaside original. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time. <laughs>